ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to eleven once again. I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? Dude, I'm I'm just ready to talk about our topic. I've got no other little funny thing to say. I just want us to get Turk looped in and get going. Well, we we do have a couple things to say. I mean, first of all, first of all, we we've got to promote our sponsor today. I mean, huge sponsor. This is probably the biggest sponsor we've ever had. Um, and it's a returning sponsor, and that is uh, Gut Check Press. Oh, Gut Check. <laughs> Turkish has done a little of the, you know, the little odd job for Gut Check, meaning the forward to every book we've ever written. It's, it's like my side job. <laughs> it's my side hustle. Are, are those royalties rolling in for you there, Turk? Oh, man. I'm a made man because of it. Dude, we let him sell his T-shirts in one of them. That happens. <laughs> And whenever we meet in Detroit for pizza that gives us bad diarrhea, we always pay. <laughs> Dude, that place cleaned me out every time. We go to Leonardo's just outside DTW. We met Turk there. I think we, well, you and it's I met. It's a cleanse. It. It's a cleanse. <laughs> I think you and I met at a big boy once, but then you and me and yes. Big Ted, we met like probably three times. Um, and every time. Afterwards, I was just, my stomach would start percolating, and I'd be like, oh. But you know what? It was worth it to hang out with Turkish. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, All right. That's my, favorite, that's, that's my favorite story from you ever, Zach. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we, are, um, we do want to announce, um, or I should say re-announce, because we did announce this a couple years ago, but... Zach's book, Playing Saint. It is, ladies and gentlemen, this is the book that changed Greg's life. This is the book that sat on his desk for well over four months, and we had Zach on, and he still hadn't got to reading it. I mean, that's that's ah, how that, that book's old news, man. I want to talk about Playing Saint All Souls Day because tomorrow is All Souls Day. Well, we were getting. We, oh, that's right. That's right. All that's right, the so, connection. So you talk about the book, Zach, because obviously I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you, you, the thing is, you're you're trying to be nice by promoting everything, but I, I've already got all the money from that publisher I'm ever going to get. So uh, <laughs> the only reason that I want people to buy that first book is so that they'll want to buy the second one. Um, there you go. It, it, yeah, the the book playing Saint All Souls Day I think is probably my best because I was unencumbered uh, by the demands of the uh, the Christian. What would you call the publishing? complex you know the, the evangelical bonnet mafia and uh, i was able to kind of <laughs> do what i wanted with it nice the nice. calico clad mafia of christian publishing here's a story a real story i tried to name a character uh after turkish not frank turk but i tried to name him uh, a guy cyrus turk and he was a uh like a like a mafioso type guy and <laughs> and a an editor said is this guy black? And I said, no. And she said, well, then, the, I mean, the name, it just sounds black. And I think it's going to be, people are going to have the wrong picture in their mind. So I had to change the name to something very white sounding. Um, <laughs> but I, I left the name in as an Easter egg there when they're pulling a con. At one point, the guy identifies himself as Cyrus Turk. And then <sighs> uh, maybe she was a comics fan and she was thinking of Turk, you know, in the, in the Marvel comics. And that's why I, I so doubt that there's anybody in Christian publishing who knows that much about comics. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Zach, since you just let us right into comics, we do have uh, Turk here talking to us about Daredevil. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be an all Daredevil episode. And gentlemen, I feel like we could even go back and talk about season one because we haven't talked about seasons one or two on this. Um, what? Yeah, what we kind have, of podcast is this? I know, oh, right? Lame. I yeah. know, I know. That that was back when Greg was on. Not enough <laughs> Turkish. Is that the problem? <laughs> There'll be no Catwoman references. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll work something out. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll get there. I I, I slid it in already, so it's good. So, yeah. Okay. So, so what do you want? To, where do you want? I mean, it was starting yeah, season so, one. So, where do you want to well, start in season one? Let's start here first because I. Um, so Greg actually just asked me recently. He was like, "Okay, so I haven't seen um, like uh, 
I think he did see Luke Cage, but like the, the second seasons of these things that are coming out, he hasn't seen them. And he was like, so I'm just wondering if I need to see them in order to catch anything that's going on in season three. And I said, no, I mean, if you, if you seen daredevil one, two, and you saw the uh, defenders, you should be able to roll right into season three. Would you guys agree? That's a fairly accurate assessment. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You're not going to get all of the, you know, the fan service and all the fun little interconnects and Easter eggs, but yeah, you'll appreciate the the story, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, the Defenders is your main thing, but I mean, watching the Defenders without having seen all of the, you know, component parts uh, in their origin stories, I even think Iron Fist season one was worth watching. Oh, you gotta be kidding! I do. It wasn't. No. It wasn't amazing, but I thought it was worth watching. I, it was not even good. Dude, season two, they upped, and I know this isn't the topic, but they upped no. that fight scene game like crazy. Oh, Ooh, we're going to have a was, fight on here. Uh, there's going to be a huge it, fight. Let's talk no, about Daredevil before we take apart Iron Fist, okay? No, Turkish, it's okay, man, because it ended on the corniest, stupidest note uh, in the world. Uh, where, like, with the, the Iron Fist guns, and I was just like, oh, you ruined no. it. It was ruined. The best, the best line in two seasons of Iron Fist is where Iron Fist buddy from uh, from Kunlun, what is it? What is his name? Davos. Yeah, da- when Davos says to, to to Danny, "You're the worst Iron Fist ever." That's a, that sums up both seasons. <laughs> it sums up both seasons, and it's he's exactly right. That show, that show could have been so good, and it would have been so easy to make it amazing. And they they just completely. Everything about that show is nothing like the comics. It's horrible. That's true. It's horrible. The comics are so fun. They're so comic booky and kung fu-y. And, oh, they're just – the comics are great. And even when the comics get, like, super mystical, like there's this guy, Carrie Andrews, who who wrote – uh, 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 one of the generations of, of uh, Immortal Iron Fist, where he's he's sort of su- Danny's suffering from a little bit of PTSD from being the Iron Fist, uh, and he has, still has to save he still has to save Kunlun because he's the Iron Fist, and and, and that that comic is 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 so surreal and and psychological, but it's still a kung fu comic, and that's what this thing is supposed to be about. It's not a melodrama. It's a kung fu thing. It should be kung fu, and it should be exactly like the old kung fu TV series where you're, I mean, I... I if you, you can know, snatch suppo- rice from my a, hand, grasshopper. Yeah, but he's, he's supposed to be this Zen guy centered. You can't, you can't fool him you can't ruffle him you can't scare him and he has a mission and he's gonna get it done and and it, oh they just there's nothing about that in this show and that's why it sucks because danny <laughs> is he's not just the worst iron fist ever he's the worst iron fist you could imagine he's terrible <laughs> i wonder if trick's gonna tell us what he thinks about iron fist later in the uh, <laughs> Let's get back to let's get back to Daredevil and let let me bridge yeah. the gap here and we can maybe talk about it all at once. The thing that just got me so amped for season three that had my toes tingling was the initial poster where the red suit is like in that amazing kind of like liquid covering oh, yeah. the city to reveal it. Yes. Way. It's pulling away and it, and revealing the black suit beneath. Yes, I yes. could not. I was like, I would pay. 200 bucks to watch an episode right now instead of waiting two weeks. I was so excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this story, this, this Frank Miller storyline that they used is one of the best, or one of the best daredevil storylines ever. I mean, obviously it's very heavily adapted from the comics, Mm -hmm. but holy mackerel, all of the beats were there. The black suit, that black suit. I'm sorry. I mean, I, it, there was a, it was a payoff at the end of season one for him to get the so-called red suit. But but that black suit is so much better. It's so, the tone of it is so much more in tune with the rest of this show. It's great. It's I, I'm, I'm with you. And, and all of it was just amazing. Uh, Trick, I got to disagree, though, about the Frank Miller storyline. I, I actually like the, the Kevin Smith stuff from the 90s. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> that was supposed to make you laugh. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> dude, I, I admit this. I've been a comic fan from the. Uh, I like how my voice cracked when I was talking about being a comic fan. That's that's fitting. Uh, from the mid to late '80s, when I was yep. you know an adolescent, until I, I really stopped buying them. 
eh, probably about 10 years ago, I stopped buying them obsessively. Um, yep. And I, I have quite a few of those old, like I've got a lot of the old Frank Miller, Daredevil. I, like, like, I think I got them into them because I was at antique shops and I would find you know, uh, comic books where people had size on the cover. And I yeah. was like super into, I thought that was so super cool. And so, you know, like the stuff was stick and, and you know, the hand and everything. Um, but I, after this show came out, I went back and bought like graphic novel after graphic novel yes. full of stuff I had missed. And I'm going this, I, I missed some of the best stuff in comics. It was yeah. coming out while I was a reader. And for some reason I never got into it. Yep. And it is so great. Oh, it's it's a, it's amazing. I mean, it's and 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 the great thing I think about that generation of Daredevil and even that generation of Batman is that that's uh-huh. when it was fresh. It was before mm-hmm. everybody got their hands on it and made it all. You know, they made it. They they tarnished it with their own crappy takes on on these versions of these characters. Oh, this God. is this is where this stuff came from. You know, and 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 this was really when Miller. It was before he went completely crazy and and couldn't write anymore. But this is when he was really at sort of the peak of his creative ability, uh, putting putting this stuff together with a much darker tone. But it it's not so dark that there's no heroism in it. You know, yes. it's that. This world is dark. The things that are happening are dark. And sometimes even heroism has to take this path through darkness to get to light. That is that is such good stuff. I would say that this uh, that that the Frank Miller, uh, you know, whether you're talking about Batman, you're one, whatever. I'm not a big fan of the like uh, good grief. What what is the one like the return of the Dark Knight or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, But like there's a quote from him where he says, um, you know, there's not that big a difference between a cape and a long trench coat. And like that, that kind of, yes. let's make this all feel like this urban thing that could be happening all around us. Yes. I, I think that's why I, I don't care about the Cree and the scroll and the, there, you know, these, these, you know, when you see like the poster of all the Marvel guys, any of the guys in the back row who are like 13 stories tall, I don't yeah. care about you. I want you to, yeah. I, I really want you to be someone who, it, according to the the rules of, I mean, granted, you yeah, you can't have sonar super hearing that you know, but according to you know the the enhanced rules of reality, this could happen. You don't yep. need to throw space into it. You don't even need to throw gamma rays into it for my favorite stuff. Yeah, the Punisher was always one of my favorite titles. Mm-hmm. I if I would have really given it a chance, Daredevil would have been Batman, Robin, Nightwing, all the bats. So so this stuff to me, this is the best thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This show. I, you know what? I completely agree. I, I completely agree. I think that that and and especially on TV, the dare, the three seasons of Daredevil are by a long shot the best Marvel TV there is by a lot yeah. by by a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Well, and and one of the things that I feel like is so great about this because this by far when you when you even if you're just looking at the stuff that next Netflix is doing, this is just by far my favorite. I mean, Defenders was pretty cool to see, but it didn't it, it didn't have the same punch that I feel like no you know no pun intended that Daredevil has. I mean, Daredevil oh. just has it all. I mean, it's it's you know it's got that mystery, it's got the you know the mafia stuff going on, it's got it's the, got the church stuff going yeah, on. Exactly, no, important yeah. to me. Yeah, like yep. the whole <laughs> that whole like redemption story that's in there yes. is fantastic. So yeah, I mean to me this is just this is the most compelling story, and this is this is why I keep coming back to Daredevil because they just they started it off strong in season one and they kept it going mm-hmm. strong for three seasons. Yeah, absolutely, and and I would say that I would say this. I, I think that the dare de- the, I'm sorry, defenders had so much opportunity to be better than it was, and it was weak because it was so muddled. You know, they couldn't decide what's whose story this was. I think that they started off thinking that this is really going to be sort of the climactic Iron Fist story, but you know, all the characters that were important in this story were Iron Fist characters they weren't daredevil characters mm-hmm. but it turned out that they realized that they you know their best character is matt, is matt matt murdoch and yeah. and 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 the story shifted you know about the middle when sigourney weaver gets killed you know it shifts to being this this daredevil story this this matt murdoch story because there were the all the others the others were good i mean i honestly i kind of liked the first season of jessica jones it was weird 
there was there was some stuff in it I could have done without, but yeah. it was it was a compelling psychological story. I I kind of liked it. You I did know, too. But, but it but she there wasn't enough of her in Defenders. There's not enough of her in in Luke Cage. I think. I mean, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that in Luke Cage again, I think the first half of the first season of Luke Cage was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. But but it again it somehow it diluted, and then the second season of of of, of Luke Cage was again very diluted. It, it wasn't it didn't stay on path. But the Daredevil stuff, I think, because it does so much homage to the comics. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot like it's a lot like the like the Captain America movies that these movies are uh, they're not uh, they are not the comics, but mm-hmm. they're about the comics. Yeah, you know, and and they do a great job of following these storylines. In a in a in a TV cinematic way, rather than trying to be a comic book or trying to be a movie, I I, I just I'm I'm just totally sold on the on the Daredevil franchise. I think it's great. One thing I did like about the Defenders was how they gave Colleen such a big subplot. That to me was way more interesting than than Danny's stuff. Yeah, and honestly, mm-hmm. more. I think they completely wasted Luke Cage. You might as well not have been there. Yeah, um, he, wasted he, he was background. Yeah, and, and that yeah. guy, that, that that dude's just so much presence, and they and it didn't even feel like he was there. Oh, but, yeah. he's uh, so, he's so charismatic in that role. I think he's a great Luke Cage. It, 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 yeah, I think you're right. He's wasted. Go ahead. Sorry, Zach, but I'm yeah, sorry. You're right. One thing I love, by the way, is how they do little nods to the comics, like yes. when he's remembering the moment he escaped from where they were doing the experiments on him, and like the the thing they had around his head and stuff in order to shock him <laughs> was yeah. the old suit yeah I was yes like, oh that's so perfect absolutely he comes out of that tank i'm like money <laughs> power man that's power yeah, man exactly. exactly oh yeah that was epic quite epic but here's the best thing about daredevil the casting oh yeah speaking of perfect people to play things i mean i no one has I, I, how many movies now have we seen with the punisher uh, I want to say four, right? Yeah, three, three or four. And, and I, I, the guy in Warzone, uh, Ray Stevenson, yep. he was all right as like the old Punisher. He was good. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, you freaking. Bah. And <laughs> exactly. then Thomas Jane was worse. But yeah, this, by, somehow, because he could have been better. Yeah, you're, yeah, maybe. I don't know. He, he's too much of a pretty boy. The, the, I mean, you you don't want to even look at uh, how, how do you, is this Bernthal? Is that his name? Is it the guy? Yeah, yes. We remember him from. Uh, I, I liked the first season and a half or so of Walking Dead, and he was the best part of it. Man, that guy became the Punisher. Absolutely. No one's ever been. You know, what, let let me do this. You you two guys, I'm going to run down this list, this cast list, and you give me a one to ten on uh, how perfect the casting is. I mean, just just a few few of these people. All right, Charlie Cox is Matt Murdock. Ten. Oh yeah, ten. Agreed. Karen Page, uh, seven or eight. I don't know if she's perfect, but she's great in that role. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, this guy who plays Foggy. I don't remember his his actor's name. I always think of you when I see him, and I think he's great. Yeah, eight I, or a I, nine. Yeah, I would definitely uh, say nine. Or, I would say nine or ten. Just yeah, amazing, right? Uh, all right, so uh, John Bernthal as Frank Castle, ten, ten, and ten for sure, right? Oh yeah, um, could be. Could, the only reason he's not an eleven is because the kingpin is an eleven. Yes, I was just saving yes. him for last. last. <laughs> That's right, save him for last. Absolutely, because I think we have a lot to talk about with him. Um, Electra. Oh, uh, eight or nine. I really, would go, really, I would go a little lower than that. Really? Yeah. Oh, but, but you know, Nathan thinks that uh, what's her name uh, from the Electra movie was a ten. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and is it possible that the reason this seems so incredibly amazing is because that Kevin Smith Ben Affleck movie was such a monumental turd? <laughs> Didn't doesn't hurt this one. Uh, what about uh, Father Lantham? Now, I don't know if that exact priest character, I think he might be a couple of different characters kind of combined from the comics, but the church imagery, the, the stained glass windows, all that factors in. I feel like his casting was amazing. Oh, yeah. His yeah, role very, in that, very definitely good. Seven or eight, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then what about Ben Urich? And, and were they way off base to kill this guy off? 
No, I I think you know it's funny. It's funny you say, it's funny you say Kevin Smith because there are some things that he does get about comic books, and and Ben Urich is the price paid. Ben Urich is the guy who has to die to make everybody else's sacrifices and her- her heroism mean more, especially in Karen's life, especially over the course of the two series of Daredevil and Punisher. Karen's the, the motive of, of who she really is. I mean, even after this season three, and I don't want to spoil season three for anybody, but everything we learn about Karen in season three, it, when you stack that next to what she inherits from Ben, that she is that's what makes her such a good character yeah yeah i i, I think you're right i can see that i, I mean I, I wish they would have waited a little later because to me like that guy you know how sometimes even when you're looking at a comic you think of an actor yes mm-hmm. that guy is yeah. he's one of those that guy character actors and i i've i've thought of him as that's who i would have cast myself yeah. all right now i want to give you two together because in my mind and maybe and maybe this isn't justified in my mind they're both like 20 out of 10 James Wesley and the Kingpin. Oh, well, James J- James Wesley is the character that isn't in the comic books that should have been in the comic books. Yeah. He he is you, such a cool- Hold on, back up. I I'm thinking about two issues of the Punisher from the early 90s that I have and Fisk sends a guy to close a deal with somebody and he winds up killing them and I was in my mind, 100% sure that's who this Wesley is. It's not? This guy's not in the comic. I don't... I, I, you might be right, Zach. I don't remember him in the comics. I remember Kingpin having a lot of guys like Wesley, but nobody who, as we as we see in this season, where he, he really sort of... I mean, in, in the, insofar as he can, loves him like a son. Mm. Right. You know? Right. That there's, there's nobody who is, who is, is uh, not, really, not really his heir apparent, but his crown prince, you know? And this is... That that's who Wesley is. That's who Wesley is, and I, I like I said, he's not in the comics. He should be in the comics. I think mm-hmm. that's. And, and I could be wrong. Maybe some of your, maybe one of your listeners is going to say this is where Turk demonstrates what a jerk he is. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't remember Wesley in the comics per se. Hmm. There, there are guys like him all over the place, but not him. Three more before we get to uh, the big one. Mm-hmm. Stick yep. Scott Glenn is stick. Oh. Per- Perfect. Yeah. So perfect, yeah. right? Oh, spot on. Perfect. Yep. I mean, it's it's like these people literally, and people say this all the time, but I'm like, literally, this is why he should be an actor. He was born for exactly this. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we've exactly. got uh, the Gladiator, uh, Melvin Potter. Uh, why am I blanking on that? He the makes Megan. the suits. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's perfect. He's yes. perfect. Yes, nine or a ten. Yeah, and then what about Turk? Oh, <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite running joke in the in the Netflix universe. He's more omnipresent than uh, what's her name, Rosario that, Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody knows him. He's into everything a little bit. He's not really evil. He's not really good. He's just that guy, you know. Survivor. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're never gonna if they kill him off, uh, all bets are off. But yeah, I mean, I think we've demonstrated that literally. The, this this thing was theirs to lose. I mean, it That's was. Right. And I've seen a cast this good. You know, everyone's nines and tens try to deal with bad material, and it still comes off. But I mean, the writing was so good. Yeah. And, and so, so season one and season three are are about. I mean, the the main antagonist is the kingpin, which I was yes. so stoked when they finally said the word this season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What? Why is he so? Why is he so amazing? Why is D'Onofrio literally perfect perfection for that part? Oh well, I mean, just just to start with, because he's D'Onofrio. I mean, I I, that, I don't want to. I, I don't think you can overstate that. That guy has such a he has such a great understanding of playing guys who are mentally damaged but not crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, just to think of him as, as Private Gomer Pyle from, I mean, that's like his, one of his earliest roles. And this kingpin is such a, such an interesting, cultured, re, redeemed in a certain way sense of, of Gomer Pyle that, 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 you know, he's got this super broken history that he's trying to 
build a life on top of, especially for the sake of his mother, you know, and mm-hmm. and and it, he he just gives it such incredible depth. And some of that is the writing, but it's the way he does it. His his physical presence as the kingpin, yeah. his face yeah. as the kingpin, his emotional reactions as the kingpin. They are it's incredible. I get so drawn in watching him play this character, watching him stare at a white wall. Yes. It just just <laughs> yeah. just watching that and and looking at him and you know, he's not he's not sitting there blankly looking at a white wall. You can see that what he's looking at is what he's looking for. He's looking into that whiteness and he's saying, "Where where am I? Where are where's what I want?" Oh, he's not even he's, watching paint dry. He's watching dry paint and he can sell it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that, a, a great actor. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That. That's, yeah. That is exactly right. Well, and, and, he, and you know, just like Gormo, uh, so, sorry, Nathan, no, that's um, just brief, just like Gomer Pyle, right? You you want to hug him. And, and like, I remember when I was a kid, I went to this class drawing cartoons um, and this the, the lady at, at the end drew a really amazing cartoon. I don't remember what it was, but she was going to give it away to somebody. And this kid next to me was like this really ragey kid. And he got so mad when he didn't win it that he kicked over his own cartoon and like wrecked it a little bit. And mm-hmm. I feel like whenever I like that's the most empathy I felt in my early life was seeing him get that angry and realizing that that was not, you know, that was that was him being hurt. And even when Fisk does something like, put that guy's coat over his head and just punch him into oblivion. Yeah. That's yes. the kind of angry it is. You, you yeah. almost want to comfort him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it is because he has such a, a tragic backstory. I mean, this is, this is one of those villains that you really, you can, you can sympathize with. I mean, a real life example. I remember my father-in-law telling me, you know, he would go into prisons and be talking with, you know, the, the, the bottom, what, what society would consider the bottom of the barrel in terms of criminals and things like that. And, and he said, you know, the, the most interesting thing is when you actually get to talk with them, you realize that their childhood was just as broken as the things that they're doing to these other people. And I think that right. what, that's what makes him so compelling is it's not like he just rises, you know, from, you know, great wealth into, you know, being this terrible person, he does have a tragic backstory, which ma- which makes him more sympathetic. Absolutely, absolutely, and I and I think that that's that he's not just you know kind of wandering malevolence. You know, he's not just this this dark overthinker or something. You know, or and and I think that's the other thing I really like about that portrayal of Kingpin in in the Daredevil. Uh, in the Daredevil series is mm-hmm. is that is that you know these aren't Deus Ex Machina uh, solutions to where the kingpin comes out on top. Mm-hmm. The writer ha- has been thinking the whole time in this series that if this happens, Fisk has made this as yeah. as the, the the place where he he's going to get over. Yep. He is. I mean, Fisk has thought it through, and it looks like a plot. It doesn't look like somebody magically waved a wand and things changed. Yeah, I was glad they in- included him a little in season two, just to remind you he's still there. Yeah, he's still right. scheming. It's still yes. happening. Yeah, because I-, I feel like everybody wanted Kingpin back for season two, and they made us wait. And then I sort of wanted. Um, the the Punisher back for season three, right? And they were like, "No, this isn't. That was amazing, but this is different." And and, and of course, they gave the Punisher his own amazing uh, season. But absolutely, you know, Turkish. Just a quick aside: What did you think as as a guy who who really mostly appreciates, um, at least with Daredevil, it seems, and with with most things, you seem to really appreciate the the early modern age stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh, and they went with, uh, for season two, they went with this Garth Ennis story, um, a subplot from after the Welcome Back, Frank, um, uh, the the kind of third wave or whatever of Punisher, um, you know, post-micro. Uh, and I felt like it worked really well. I don't know what you think. Like where he tapes, you know, tapes the gun into his hand and chains him to the roof and all yes. this stuff. Yeah, no, I well, I think the, if I had any objections, 
and and this is this is this is about preference. This isn't really about anything else. I, I thought that, and, and this is a stupid. This is it, I know it's a stupid thing to say about a, a series about the Punisher. I thought the series. I thought the Punisher was too violent. I thought it was hyper violent. It it it, it sort of uh, it sort of uh, gloried in the gore, and I wasn't. That was the only thing about it I didn't like. Everything You're, else yeah. about it, the psychology of Frank of, of, of Frank Castle, uh, the the uh, the just just the whole you know him not wanting to be he, him not really wanting to be a hero, him wanting to settle the score that he had, you know that that's the Punisher, that's who he really is. And again, I think that that psychology was done really well in that series. So. And when you say it's stupid to think it's too violent, I disagree. I think that makes sense because I love the the eighties uh, Punisher comics, and I loved that Garth Ennis initial re- return with Manucci. Um, but once they were like, you know what, let's go to what would they what do they call Marvel Max? Yes. And it was all hyper violent, hyper. It was mm-hmm. gross. I was like, oh, this is, this doesn't feel like it anymore. This feels like something else. You're you're you've you've pushed the envelope way too far. Right. And you you always it's kind of like Hill Street Blues. They made up their own swear words. And then yes. when the NYPD Blue came on and they were all like saying everything but the F word, you're like, you're, you've lost your creativity. You, right. you don't know how to actually tell the story without, you know, falling in the, the ditch. Well, I think that that was that that I think was a very interesting, interesting uh, counterpoint, though, in Punisher, because even though it did have all the gore and all the hyper violence, I mean, think about think about the first 10 minutes of the first episode where the first scene where you see the violence that took place in the in the mafia meeting room. The first shot is actually through a bullet hole through somebody's skull. Remember I that? that was, I thought that was brilliant. That it, that was incredible. But it was it's gross. It's it's yeah. gross beyond gross. It It is. It, it is expressing something about the level of violence there, which was which didn't ruin it, but it was it was a little much. I mean, it wasn't something. I, I mean, honestly, my kids can't watch the Punisher; it's too violent. Um, so, so that 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 was uh, that was too much in that respect. But but ultimately, if you could get through that first ten minutes, I felt like the whole rest of it was uh, was extremely good noir sort of uh, uh, you know. Just, just, just tracking the, the 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 psyche of this man who had something and lost it, and now is not willing to settle that that it can't be that it can't be resolved. You know that somehow process isn't good enough here to solve this. Some it has to be it has to be man against man. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's good, good stuff. Super good stuff. I I really like. I said I like it a lot. I think it's just it was it was too violent for some people to watch, and I get that. What did you guys think of the uh, the spiritual conflict and and uh, character development in season three? I really liked it. I mean, I thought that's one of the things that really was compelling with it, especially after seasons one and two, where you see Matt so devoted. You know, mm-hmm. you see him so devoted. Um, you know, constantly going into confession and you know having that struggle, and he's he's got a crisis of faith that he kind of thinks he's resolved in his mind where, well, I'm just going to give into what I want to do, but you can tell that he's got this crisis of faith and he's working through it. And I just, I thought that was masterfully done the way everything was portrayed. And it's interesting because, you know, I mean, we all belong, you know, to different groups on, on social media. And I remember one of the groups that I belong to, you know, they were critiquing and criticizing this. And to me, this felt like one of the most real portrayals of somebody who is really, truly struggling with their conscience and their convictions uh, that just came to light. What were you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I think that that Matt Murdock's crisis of faith was, was uh, it was congruent with the character that Matt Murdock was. Okay. So I'm going to say that first. I think that it was, it was, and it's important for the, for the story because of the kind of story it is, right? Mm -hmm. That, 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 that that Matt, uh, you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil any of the really great things that happen in that. So I don't want to spoil any of that. So I'm going to stop, stop trying to say what I was going to say. And I'm going to say this, but it was a generic crisis of faith. For Matt to be as Catholic as he's supposed to be, I think that that somebody on that writing staff should have should have found a Catholic someplace uh, <laughs> because 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 the priest wasn't very Catholic, 
the nuns weren't very Catholic, and Matt himself was not very Catholic. It was a very generic, theistic crisis of faith, and not not so much a Catholic crisis of faith, which I think is an interesting part of the comics. I think the comics actually do a little bit better job of 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 kind of looking at the. Uh, uh, the majesty, you know, the, uh, the, the the pageantry of Catholicism and comparing that to the pageantry of the violence that Daredevil goes through to try to stop the kingpin. I think that that was, a, that was interesting in the comics, and we didn't get so much of that here. But that's because of the kind of story it was really, you know, this is a very personal story and not a story about pageantry. I, I really loved the lady that played the nun. Yes. Um, I, I felt like she stole every scene she was in, but in a good way. Like, I mean, yes. she, she, her tide lifted all ships. And that was a hard role to play because it could have been cheesy. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, yeah. With everything that happened, it turned out like, like really moving. And just, I hope she's, I hope she's in more of these uh, Marvel things. I, I thought she was great. And I don't know. I just, even though you're right, it was, it was like TV Catholicism, which is basically, I mean, Reverend, Reverend Lovejoy belongs to the same denomination as most, you know, like, I mean, it's just, okay, a guy is a pastor and you believe in God and they, they don't, they don't really, uh, they don't really suss it out. But at the same time, just to have a, 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 to have a superhero that's not this like spiritual, but not religious, like mixing together right. all these, you know, East Asian mystery things and B to have a, especially to have them be uh, a priest because of just you know how quick the world is to jump on, um, you know, and say, oh no, I molest kids, blah blah. To have to have clergy on the screen that are understanding and helpful and and part of the solution, not part of the problem. You know, yes. it's the opposite of when you're 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 reading or watching um, uh, V for Vendetta, and anything that has to do with the church is corrupt and has to be right. you know burnt out. Right, or Sin, really, Sin City is the same way, yeah. Exactly, yes. And, and that's so, so cynical. And and this wasn't. It was optimistic to me. Like, the, the church is supposed to do this, and obviously it's not doing it perfectly, but it's still there, and it's still, you know, part of what 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 grounds this guy and makes him still human and, and keeps him from becoming what he's hunting. That That, even though you're right, it was generic, it was just such a breath of fresh air to me. Oh, I, I would. I actually would agree with that part. I mean, I think again. I, I mean, I think it has to do with you know my own being my own personal personal journey, being a very committed ex Catholic, but still being very committed to uh, to Christ. You know that 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 I I just I just know what that journey looks like from the inside. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and and I think that when it when they make it that generic, I mean that's a, that's probably as much as secular society can take. But I think that there's there's so much nuance in there that could be worked out. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good for the story. I don't want to say it wasn't good for the story. I think I I, I I think I would have asked for more, but I but maybe I would have ruined it by asking for more. Now I, I've I, what I've done here is I've stolen Nathan's usual role as kind of a host, which I did last time you were on as well, Turk. So let me <laughs> so let me pose another question. Yes, and that is, what did you think of what they did with Bullseye? Great. I, I I was a huge fan. I wasn't sure where it was going until about halfway through. I, I, I didn't really get it until all of a sudden, you know, uh, I mean, even even in the scene where you really should get it right. The the, the one scene where it's important that uh, this guy has this uh, this ability that he has yeah. you know, right at the beginning. Uh-huh. You know, I, I wasn't sure that I got it the first time. I was like, what, what's going to happen here? Cause I tried to read, I really, I'm, I'm kind of somebody who usually likes to read all the spoilers before you dive into this, but I wanted to go into this really super fresh and sort of see if, see if I liked it anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, they surprised me. They surprised me with it. And in surprising me, I think they disappointed me a little bit too, because I really love the bullseye costume. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so the bullseye costume so, is dope. So I mean, in that I, I just I think that it was uh, I, I well he's he is a great foil for Daredevil. I mean, mm-hmm. Bullseye, uh, you know, it, it, they could have they, there's all kinds of sort of cheesy villains they could do with Daredevil, but to, to have Kingpin and Bullseye against Daredevil, mm-hmm. man, a, a, every fanboy under the age of seventy was like, this is amazing. 
because yeah. that 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 is yeah. that is like that is like peak daredevil right and the fact that i mean that's that's kind of within the skill set of daredevil too is to be able to throw something and you know using his his enhanced abilities hit the mark every time so it was yes. it's a perfect uh, foil. Uh, yes. Sub question, real quick. I want to. I want to ask you one thing about uh, specific about Point Dexter there. But how hard? I, I'm gonna. Here's a spoiler. Somebody gets Daredevil's Billy Club thrown into his chest so that it punctures his skin, his ribs, and kills him yeah. by bullseye. I'm not gonna tell you who. I'm not gonna tell you when that happens. How hard would you have to throw a blunt thing? I thought that Bullseye's like ability was that he was perfectly accurate, not that he had like insane super strength. That to me was a moment that took me out of it. Yeah, I I agree. It was the wrong object to do what he did mm-hmm. with it because there was because there was I mean in the in the context I mean think about where that scene happens. There were a hundred things in the room he could have done that with, and uh-huh. to do with the yeah. do with the Billy Club is uh, it's very comic booky, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I, I've I've known people who've thrown things uh, at me that were hard, and I never worried <laughs> they were gonna like puncture me like a bullet. <laughs> Come on, wait, let me call Ted and find out what the last time that happened was. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Ted couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> That's why he was such a good quarterback. <laughs> now. Do you do you think that uh, the a reason that they shied away from the comic bookier aspect of Bullseye is because Colin Farrell was such a disaster playing the guy? Uh, oh, remember yeah. the, the first scene he opens up the paper clip yep. and throws into a guy's brain, and you're like, All right, am I watch? Is that the guy who won a stinking screenwriting academy award? Just scant years. Yeah. Of, what is happening? Exactly. No, no, no. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I again, I think that this is this goes back to the reference you made earlier. I mean, I think that they have done so much instead of consciously trying to be unlike those crappy movies. What they're consciously trying to do is to be what they are. Right. And, and to step away and, and not to think about what should we not be, but what should we be? You know, and and the, I think the great thing, uh, just again about season three, is the psychology. The psychology of Bullseye is great. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of of who he starts off as and who he turns into. These things make sense together. You know, and that way he doesn't have to be this scenery chewing lunatic. You know, that's that's way over the top crazy. He's this super subtle psychotic. Yeah. You know, somebody, somebody who you literally, until you, until you realize it, you don't know how crazy he is. Yeah. One of the things that I, I want to talk about is the chemistry between all the, all the characters, because there is not, I, and I was, I was honestly looking for this as I was going into this. There is not one wasted scene between any of the main characters and they are all interacting with one another at one point in time or another. And I'm just, I'm riveted watching these. And to me, one of the greatest scenes was a confrontation between Karen and Kingpin. That whole scene where they are just there at, you know, just there. To me, that was just mind blowing, just watching that and watching, you know, that play back and forth between the two and what's who's going to break first, who's going to break first and seeing that. But so you had those dynamic scenes that stood out like that. But even more subtle scenes, you were talking about the uh, the nun and you have the scenes between the nun and Matt, the nun and the priest, the nun and Karen. And, and there's just not one wasted scene between those characters. Every time yes. there is dialogue that is going on in this show, I'm never sitting there bored like, can we just move on to, to the action? Can we move on and drive the plot? Because Because I'm just so riveted by what is going on between these characters. And they're using those to advance the plot. It is helping in so many ways. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah it, I, well, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead, Zach. No, go ahead, Zach. I, I was going to say, the chemistry, I think it, the, the thing that can happen when you have an amazing cast that can sink it is the writing doesn't create the right space for them to have that chemistry. Mm-hmm. 
And, and this is the, uh, the strength of this, is that the ensemble cast has this perfect atmosphere. You know, they, they, can, they can play off each other because they're all going, in, you know, every line, even though none of them seem like exposition, are pushing you in the right direction toward where the story is going. Mm-hmm. And it, it struck such a great balance from the point of view of a writer between character driven and plot driven yeah. um it it was a it, it was it was both in such a real way and yeah i mean like foggy and and karen together matt and, yeah everybody you're right there, there's not a weak link in that chain um right. i really missed madam gal uh her, oh, yes. Oh, yes her oh, chemistry yes. with kingpin what a in, waste what yeah. a waste to lose her the way we lost her yeah that I was agree. a waste what a great character. Um, yep. Is she from the comics or was that a uh, invention? Yes. No, series? she's from the comics. There's – well, this again, this goes back to how great the, the Iron Fist comics are, you know, because Iron Fist is from Kun Lun, but there are like seven heavenly cities. And Madame Gauka is from one of them. Um, and, and that whole the, – the hand are not just earthly assassins trying to ruin, ruin things for Kun Lun. They're, they're an enemy city in that, in that heavenly, heavenly realm. This is, that, and, and to lose that for Iron Fist was tragic. That's, that's why we wind up with Iron Fist shooting Iron Fist bullets at the end of the second season because there's, no sh- there's nowhere for that character to go. I mean, it's yeah, stupid. yeah. You know, we, like, we can spoil that because it spoils itself. It's it's ruined. But, but but here's the but here's the thing. I mean, I, to go back to the thing we were actually talking about is is these characters. You know, as uh, it's it, it is uh, it's 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 hard for me sometimes to watch uh, a, a long form show like this because I start to get caught up in the process of what it took to put that on the screen because I get caught up in it. I'm like, this is amazing. This is great. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. The writing is so good. The acting is so good. The directing is so good. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that this, that I, Daredevil, the, the, the three seasons together, it's such a stew of, of people who are obviously working together to do one thing. Nobody's trying to, I mean, you have Vincent D'Onofrio on this show, and he obviously is the massive figure in every scene that he's in, but he's not stealing this series. He right. is. He is he is as good as everybody else, and he's directed to be that way. He's written to be that way, and clearly everybody on the show cares that this show is the way it is. It's not something more or less. I just I just really there's so much about the way this show works that uh, that is admirable because it's again I think the other the other Netflix shows don't they don't all work this well. The first season of Jessica Jones almost worked this well, but it didn't. You know, and mm-hmm. and and uh, I just think the rest of it is is uh, uh, just the Daredevil stuff is great, and and it is you know this it's this question of 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 the of the chemistry. I mean, I mean that's the thing about you know I don't know I, I don't know how much you guys like like go to the theater or anything like that. I mean, one of my one of my favorite things to do right now with my teenage daughter is to go see these plays that the local high schools put on, you know, we went to see, uh, we went to see a local production of, uh, of newsies. You guys, have you guys ever seen Disney's newsies? Oh, that yeah. Musical? yeah. You know, the, the movie's very fun. It's just a very fun, very fast pace. You know, if, uh, if some high school puts it on, it might be great or terrible, but at least it's newsies. Um, and the, the one we saw was great and it was great because everybody was trying to do newsies. Nobody was trying to be the star of newsies. Right. You know, and, and when you watch something like that, you can see that the director has told the cast, listen, everybody's in this together. We're all in it together. You might have a lead, you might be in the background, but everybody's doing this together and we got to do it this way or it's not going to work. And I think that's what's happening on Daredevil is that the showrunners, the directors, the writers, and the actors are all sort of in this cons- conspiracy to give us what we've got and not, not, and not and have it not be about something else. I think another great thing about the chemistry is they, they didn't go the, the cheap, easy route of, uh, you know, a, a big kiss scene or something between Matt yes. and, and uh, well, it, these days it'd probably be between Matt and Foggy, you know, to be uh, <laughs> edgy. I mean, we didn't need that. We didn't need a romantic subplot. We didn't get one. We didn't miss it. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't needed. It wasn't there. And honestly, that to me is, is it's refreshing as well. Just the the absence of, so there wasn't a sex scene that I had to like, uh, thumb through with my remote here. There wasn't right, a, right. You know, it mm-hmm. was just the whole thing held together for what it was without trying to be everything. 
Yeah, and, and it it worked really well. Well, I think I think that the uh, the the great part about the again about season three, I think, is is that there's all of this subtext of failed romance. Mm. You know, all all of these things where where somebody somebody might have loved somebody else, but but the life is too complicated for those characters to also somehow try to be married or whatever. You know, and and then the the, the one pairing where they are they are together, right? Mm-hmm. And again, don't want to spoil it, right? It's always thwarted, mm-hmm. right? Somehow, there's yeah. always the there's always the monkey wrench in it, and it's that tension that drives the story forward rather than the resolution. It's always that tension. Well, because there's yeah. a, there's a real there's a realistic ending as opposed to a fairy tale ending. Yes, you know it's yes. not they're not they're not trying to serve this up as you know the Disney you know prince and princess. It's it's man, you know, life is rough and life is complicated. And when you are in the midst of these heavy things that are going on, it, it's not always going to work out, you know. And I think that's one of the great things is that there is there is a reality to this. And even in that reality, though, there is there is a hope that comes through, which is yep. which is so great to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's just great. I, I honestly, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, de- and, and I would also say this, you know, the, these shows are not for everybody. They, they are definitely not PG 13. Um, but they, but I think that, uh, it's not gratuitous that it goes over the top. You know, it's, it's not gratuitous that it goes past the level of, uh, of, uh, you know, adult themes that you would see in a, in a, the average Marvel movie that it, it, it's going, it's going a little a half a step beyond that mm-hmm. and not in a gratuitous way. It's, it's doing it to build a, a more maybe complex, uh, you know, plot and a narrative. Yeah. yeah. How would you guys rate if you had to, and I know it's apples and oranges, but I mean, it's, it's not hard to compare apples and oranges because they're both fruits. Um, how, <laughs> how, how would you rate uh, daredevil? As a whole, with the the cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, I would say I'd go Winter Soldier number one, Daredevil uh, as a, as a whole number two, and then uh, maybe Iron Man tied with it the first one, I, and and I think everything else in my mind is not as good. I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, I, don't, I honestly don't know the answer to that because I think they're so different. They're meant to be different things. Mm. So, you know, for example, I think that the uh, the second Avengers movie is not good, right? It's just it's not good. Right. Even 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 for what it's supposed to be, it's not that good. Even James um, Spader couldn't save it. How is that well, possible? Well, I think that's just it. It shouldn't have been James Spader. James Spader was the worst idea for Ultron ever. James Spader what? would make – no, no way. Ultron is not James Spader. Ultron <laughs> is something else. There's no question about that. And I love James Spader. I think, I think The Blacklist is brilliant television. That's, that's, that's a fun watch every single oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Every single time it's a fun watch. Um, but uh, – yeah, so, but I think that, uh, you know, and I think that it's right to say that even the Marvel movies fall on a spectrum. I mean, there are some bad, there are, there are some that are not good. Um, but, but I think that the, that, you know, for me, I mean, to, to, to see the full range of it, compare Daredevil to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stinks compared to Daredevil. It's, it's unwatchable compared to Daredevil. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually worse than Iron Fist, if, you could, if somebody can conceive of that. It's terrible. There, isn't, there aren't three episodes in a row of that show where you say, well, that was worth watching. You know, <laughs> some, sometimes the last episode of the season is like, well, that was a payoff. That should have been the second episode of this season. You know that that was that was good enough to get my interest back into this thing. But but you know, for twenty three episodes, twenty three hours to sit there and watch that. There, those the and, and to go back to what you said, Zach. Where's the chemistry? There's no chemistry. Where's the plot development? There's none of that. Where's the where? Where do I care about any of this? I I can't care about it. So so you know, it's I think that when we when we think about it, you know. In, in terms of TV, the Daredevil's by far the best. I think in terms of the movies, I don't know. I mean, because I, I really, I really like the Ant Man movies, but they're not. I don't they're like them. Different. The yeah. I don't like mm-hmm. them the way I like the Daredevil series. 
You yeah. know, there it's it is it, I, uh, Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp are like the kids' versions of the Marvel movies, which make them fun for me. Um, you know, I I you know, you guys know how I feel about Captain America, and I don't want to bring that up. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I just think that it's it's different. I don't. I, it, it really it's not like apples and oranges. It's like apples and steak. See, I I would <laughs> like <laughs> I would say this though. I feel like. DC, you know, before they started doing um, Netflix, started doing these Marvel movies. DC tried to move things in a in a grittier, more realistic kind of way, and I think it failed. And the reason why I think it failed is because there's you don't see a lot of hope that comes through in in those two movies. Like Superman, what are you talking there. about? Like the the Man of Steel, and then um, okay, I, th- I thought you were talking about Batman. TV. So I thought you were talking no, no, about no, no, Arrow no, no, and, and no, 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 Flash. no, the movies. Okay. I'm talking about the movies. Um, Batman and Su- Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Like those two movies, I feel like could have been so good, but th- there was something lacking in them that didn't that didn't translate. In trying to make those characters so kind of dark and and just you know gritty and mean and, and realistic there was something that was missing in the comic book element where for Called whatever fun. well and i think exactly. that's it i think that's it i think this i think daredevil retains a level of fun to it that mm. that allows you to enjoy it like you know that there's hope in there you know that even even though Matt's going through this this crisis of faith, you know, and, and Turkey said, you know, generic crisis, but still crisis of faith that he's going to um, ultimately do the right thing, you know, that that there is enough influence and in people in his lives that are driving and you don't have ridiculous reveals of things coming out either, you know, like surprise things that are coming out, like you said, they're they're interesting. Yes. They're, you know, it, it's driving you to watch more and find out, well, what are they going to reveal next? What are they going to reveal next? What's the next big reveal in this? Where Batman v Superman, even Man of Steel, it was just – it was kind of like I got halfway through and I was like, is it done yet? I mean we're, we're only halfway through this where – I mean I, I feel like I could have gone several more episodes or they could have drug it out several more episodes and I still would have – I still would have been interested in it. We, I got to episode 13 and I'm like, man, I'm already there. You know, and there's so yeah. much still going on. But even, even the fact that they were able to, to wrap everything up in that season, in that last episode, just blew my mind. And they did it so seamlessly. You know, that just, that blew my mind where, you know, I, I don't think that all comic book um, movies, I don't think all comic book shows can get away with, the level of reality that this brings to it. Yes. And you know, when you bring up DC, I think that they were trying with Arrow to do kind of what Daredevil succeeded at and, and didn't fully succeed. I mean, yeah, it, agreed. Agreed. It, it, it was good ish. I'm, I'm done with it. Um, but, but uh, it was, it was all right. But when you watch Daredevil, you're like, Oh, I see it's, it's, this is, this is how it's what they meant. This is what they're supposed to do. Right. And, and like a case in point, you guys, how excited were you when they, you realized they were doing another one-shot dolly and hand, or I guess it's a dolly, whatever they did, that one-shot down the long hallway fight? Yes. Like they did oh, yes. One. Yeah. Oh, that's, my gosh. That's always the money. It's always the money. So brutal and so, and it felt so real. Like, yeah, I mean, yes. the, the, it, it, it reminded me uh, very much of uh, some fights in, like, uh, uh, Atomic Blonde, which were all like one shot up a staircase. Yeah, um, yeah. Where where you're just like you almost feel tired watching yeah. it. Yes. Well, well, but so but you're it, like you're like, will he make it? Right. You know that, yeah, that, right. that there's yeah. real tension in the fight. You know, Cap fights his way through a line of Nazis. There's no question he's getting through the door. Right. You know, Cap. You know it, and it's and that's the joy of that. That Captain America can beat all the Nazis, and that's great. But in those scenes with Murdoch. Where he's like you said, those one shots down the hallway. The, you ask the question after the first round. You're like, "How is he going to make it the yes. rest of the way?" Yeah, 
In the brilliance of the the writing and the directing is the fact that they handicap him in some capacity. Yeah. It's not yep. like he's going into these fights fresh and clean like like Cap is. You know, I mean, they have in some way given you know like i said handicapped and either he's severely injured or something else is going on where where like you said you're wondering is he going to pull through this because how is he going to make it through one more guy how is he going to make it through one more guy and and it's just it's fascinating that they even they they think about that stuff you know we're not going to put him in there fully charged ready to go because of course he could do it in that state right you know, i think uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, I know that Chris Evans is allegedly done playing Captain America, which sucks, but yeah. they could they could really uh, suck me in with a Marvel team-up movie where it's uh, Cap and Daredevil. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Put it out there. Oh, yeah. I'm totally. I'm totally. Oh, yeah. That would be epic. <laughs> that would be incredible. Even just one episode in the next series. That would be just incredible. <laughs> and, oh, and you know that. They've done that sort of thing with the real realistic comics. Um, with the 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 last good Punisher comic, they randomly they had no meta humans, no no supervillains, and then um, randomly in one episode they brought in Wolverine and Spider Man and Daredevil, and, and it was absurd, but it was so fun. And I feel like they could uh, they could bring. I mean, they've referenced in Daredevil the guy with the magic hammer and the guy with the iron suit. Mm-hmm. They, they could bring yeah. in. They could bring in briefly some real tie-in to those movies. Although yeah. I was well, glad well, they well, didn't go with a snap at all. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. No. I'm, I, yeah. Exactly. I'm glad that they they haven't tried to link that up because that would that would ruin this universe for me. That would ruin Hell, Hell's Kitchen for me. I think. Mm-hmm. If if something if that intruded on that, but you know what the you know what the perfect cameo would be in the next Daredevil season, huh. Spider Spider Man. Mm. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That would be so good. The yes. best Spider Man we've seen, by the way. That's right. To have this Peter Parker meet this version of Daredevil, oh, and just oh, oh. just just like a like a two episode a two episode thing where there's an overlap of some kind that would just be so incredible. That would be it amazing. would be, uh, it'd be amazing. It'd be, that, yeah. it'd be 1974 all over again. I'm embarrassed by how excited that thought made me like <laughs> what a nerd I am. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, that's exactly it. It's just, it's, it's completely El Nerdo. It's, it is just the most nerdy thing, but that would be epic. That would just be completely epic. There's so much oh, um, material there that they could draw on. You know, to from the comics to to get yeah. these guys together. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It would just be it would just be a really cool, and it would be cooler than the than the one off the one off episode with uh, with Power Man and Iron Fist. That that them just walking around talking, trying to resolve it, whatever. Yeah. I can't remember if it was in in the second Luke Cage or the second Iron Fist, but that that one episode, it was a little. It, it just it didn't i mean it was it didn't it didn't do it for me even though i want to see those two characters together that didn't do it for me so i don't know maybe that's uh, maybe it's just me maybe being that way i'm not sure if you know but uh, turk wasn't a fan of the uh, the iron fist show on netflix <laughs> it, it i this it's like it's the first time i'm hearing it <laughs> <laughs> it's the second time that that turk has been uh, on these go to eleven. It's the second time we've heard the anti Iron Fist rant, <laughs> and it's also the second time we heard what was the other thing that he went off on earlier. And I wanted to point it out, but he was just he was going so hard I couldn't stop him. Oh, uh... I don't remember. Uh, I'll I'll realize when I go back and listen to it because this this has been too good to uh, to not to not experience again. Well, I mean, this is you know there there are some things you can get me very worked up about, but comics happens to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is we live. I'm telling you that I just I just think to myself if there was a way to get my 12 year old self in this in this part of the world, you know, to see these movies, he his mind would be blown because. Mm. Uh, that was that for me was the you know I was just like why can't they you don't need a lot of special effects to make these comics you could make these comics 
and you know that we got to, you know that that Captain America with the clear shield on the motorcycle on TV, and that was horrible. And <laughs> and then uh, you know the the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk, which was mostly horrible, and uh, you know the one off with Doctor Strange on TV, which was completely forgettable. Uh, you know, and all of that was it was. What about was, the nineties? Nineties Captain America with J.D. Salinger's son Matt. No, remember that one? Yes. What a what a gong show, man! Yeah, exactly. What a gong show. That's exactly right. You know, the only one that the only one that really kind of flew that was really close was was the the nineties version of the Flash. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. With, right. Tom Wesley's yeah, ship. Yeah, Tom Wesley's ship. Yeah, and and I mean, I know it didn't last. Nobody watched it. I think I was the only one watching it. But I, I was watching it. it Turkish. It was it was close. It was close. Yeah, I was watching it every week after I got home from Taekwondo. I would run to the TV and turn it on. Yep. And I remember the day it was it wasn't on anymore. I almost teared up. Yep. Because it, exactly. it felt so much like a comic book. Yep. yep. It was. It was so. It was really. It hit the vibe. It was. It was really close for what it ought to be. We should do. Okay. Now listen. I mean, we've been here for an hour. I don't know how long you guys want to do this, but, yeah, but about we should. We should do. We, I, I'd be willing to come back and do uh, do an hour. On uh, on the Arrowverse on on the CW. Okay, yeah, I'd be down. And, with and that. it's not because I love it. It's not because I love it. But I think there's so much to talk about there that it would be interesting. See, I'm in. The I wouldn't of- have as much to say, but uh, I'm always game. I'm in the middle of going through Arrow right now. I so I just started season two. Um, I've gone. I'm keeping up with Flash regularly, so I have that. Um, and then my goal is to hit Legends. So hopefully, by the time we have you back on, I'll be through everything. I watched the first season of Arrow on Netflix, and then I started the second, and, and, and in the intro, he's like, I can't be the killer that I once was, and I was like, ah, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we struggled through the first season of Arrow. Okay, I don't want I don't, I don't to ruin our next time, but, but I'm going to say this. Okay. But, but I'm, I'm going to say this. We, as a family, we started watching Arrow because it, there were some good parts to it. You know, the first season of Arrow, there was some good stuff. There wasn't, it wasn't all good stuff, but there was some good stuff. And we kind of suffered through it. And then the second season of Arrow turned into what I call stupid girls get punched. And when it's, <laughs> and, and I, when it started being that, that every time, you know, there was some girl who wanted to be like Arrow and she would just get punched. And I was, I was just like, this show is, I mean, I am not, I'm not super sensitive to stuff like this, but this show is sexist. This is horrible. There's nothing about this that makes even even narrative sense. And we just had to stop watching it because it was. I was just like, we're not watching that anymore. Well, how are we going to do an hour on it then, man? Oh, because there's because all the shows we got to talk about. We got to talk about Supergirl. We got to talk about Flash. We can talk about Arrow, and then and then we will try to talk about League of Legends, League of Losers. I haven't and, even. I, I got a friend who's uh, really into this stuff. He's a Lutheran pastor. He he watched a little of it, and he said, dude, don't watch it. And and I guess it was the same sort of stuff that turned me off to uh, Supergirl. Um, yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that okay, we did, so So we don't have to do that episode. We, we got to have you on again soon, though. One thing yeah. that we didn't uh, talk about with Marvel TV is Agent Carter. Oh, dude, we could do a whole hour on Agent <laughs> Carter. We absolutely could. Let me let me finish uh, the the season I'm working through, and I'm yes. yeah. Let's let's do it. That's let's that's good it. TV, man. Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, All thanks right. for having me, dudes. That's, that was awesome. Thanks for being on, man. You're an authority on the on the topic. <laughs> I have a lot to say. I don't know if I'm an authority. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, guys, this was great. Another uh, another great episode. As Zach puts it, I say that every time, but. What can I say, Zach? It's, it's true always every true, time. Man. That's yeah. right. It's always true. So, guys, we're going to go ahead and sign off. We just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11. <laughs>